a Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Oh, are you a bit tired? <laughs> well, no. I'm not that person. Oh. I don't actually get that tired, but no, I can function on pretty minimal like, sleep. Remember Kevin Rudd when he was Prime Minister of Australia? And How he, do we forget? Yep. Well, he he was the guy that could function on four hours of sleep a day, but I actually think maybe that didn't work out for him well, so well in the end. No, so I, you be careful well, is what no, I'm saying. I am, I am the person that has never needed a lot, but mm. I would say six hours is about good and anything more is a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. I like that though because when, everyone and, is different. Well, when I'm at my healthiest, yep. I l- literally wake up at the six-hour mark and go, oh, okay, we're ready. And Time when to I'm go. not, I know because I'll sleep seven, eight hours. I so. never knew that about you. Yeah. And are you a morning person? I'm an all-the-time person. Of course you are. There's always more. Oh, more. You're like the Energizer <laughs> Bunny, aren't you? I, I'm, I am a morning person. If I wake up, yes. I don't understand Not. I don't understand that. Like mm. I don't understand the morning grumps. It's not something oh, that I comprehend. No. Well, I can tell you all about it because I'm a morning grump. Are you? You know, I think it comes down to whether you wake up in the right time for you. If you get <laughs> woken... You wake up in the right position. No, I slept on my left last night with my knee raised and I've woken up grumpy. Yeah, well, that can happen too. <laughs> I mean, I share the bed with the cat a lot of the time and I just do not sleep well when that cat... I could not... No, do that. No. So I wake up grumpy occasionally. If but I, anyway, that's what today's I'd episode be so is about. About cat hair in my mouth. It doesn't <laughs> climb onto my head. You know about when you're sleeping, you got your mouth open and it's just like, oh no. Anyway, we're here to talk about sleep, though, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, you clearly don't have a pet that lives in the I house. Do not. No. Yeah, we're here to talk about sleep. And the reason that we are is, well, you know, we talk about health and wellness and all kinds of aspects and everything from finance to mental health to gut health. We've dating. Never, dating, yes. Staying safe online, mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. We've never actually spoken about the thing that we spend a third of our life doing. And that does have a huge effect on everything else that goes on in our life. And that, of course, is sleep. Absolutely. I think I did a uh, webinar once on sleep and it was one of my best Mm. watched webinars because there's more information than ever coming out about sleep, but it's something that we've only really up until recently paid attention to in the sense of we always knew that we needed it for rejuvenation Mm. and cellular repair, but then we started learning about what the brain does when we're sleeping and what your gut does when we're sleeping, and then there's all these other factors to think about, um, and it really is more than just resting. There's so much more to it than just being asleep. Well, when you actually do think about it, I'm glad you said that because I think we're going to get through tick off quite a lot of interesting little bits and pieces about it today. One of the things that strikes me that's pretty funny about it is that we pretty much all of us, there's a few exceptions to the rule, we all do it at the same time. (laughs) Like you think about that, that's pretty funny, right? And I hadn't ever thought about that until I watched this documentary just recently just on the telly. He was talking about a guy went to London and he was exploring all the things in London and he started off the documentary, it was like a day in London, started off about 4am and he said, this is a city of 20 million people and at the moment, 19 and a half million of them are asleep. And I was like, that's mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing, And we all just it? like, 
all at the same time. Totally, except for the mothers of the babies. They're mm-hmm. probably awake and the shift workers. And we want to talk about sleep in all areas, right, today. Mm. We want to talk about adult sleep, baby sleep, all of the sleep. Yeah. We might leave animals out, even though your cat has <laughs> got a mention. <laughs> no, no, we don't care about what the animals do, but the way they affect you, that's interesting. Absolutely, but I think by the end of this episode, we want to make sure that everyone feels like they're not alone, that they understand sleep a little bit better. I love to talk about sleep in terms of Chinese medicine, so we can dive into that too. But one of the things that really struck me, recently I read um, Ariana Huffington's book about sleep, Mm -hmm. and what stood out to me was the biggest side effect of not sleeping enough Yeah, was death. (laughs) People doing crazy things because they were sleep-deprived. Yes. And so in our modern world, a lot of us are on, like you said, Kevin Rudd, Mm. only needed four hours sleep. Now, some people are freaks of nature and don't need a lot of sleep, but then there are the other people that try and burn the candle at both ends. And the consequences are anxiety, depression, um, manic-like episodes. One, she told a story, I'm pretty sure it was in that book, that um, of a guy jumping off a balcony at a workplace because he hadn't slept and he was just not himself, you know. Yeah. So it's really important, I think, to work out not only um, are you not sleeping because of a choice because mm. you're burning the candle at both ends, or is it that you actually can't sleep? Is it that you have insomnia? And insomnia is divided up into not just not being able to fall asleep, mm. but it's also inability to stay asleep, restless sleeping, um, frequent waking, waking at the same time every night. There's so many clues that your body's trying to tell you that something's not right. And in most instances, those things are actually treatable and you can address them. All right, let's talk about that. Um Having trouble getting to sleep. Mm-hmm. You, with your Chinese medicine background, well, not background, you do it now. It's not like it's something that you did, now you don't do, you're doing it all the time. But is there like a clue in Chinese medicine about getting to sleep? I mean, the- there's a couple of things with Chinese medicine that's really interesting to look at. One is the body clock, and it's when we say mm-hmm. that the energy is most dominant in that organ, and each organ has a time of day that that happens. It's when it's sort of each one flows onto the next throughout the day. So that can be pretty fascinating because if you find that you are, that's, I guess, more for waking, you know, if you're waking frequently at certain times. For example, a common time to wake is 3 a.m., and yeah. that's the time that the liver energy is, is at its peak. And so often if you've had a big night out, if you've been drinking, a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, I wake at 3 a.m. if I've had a few drinks. Um, And it's the dominant time of the liver. The liver's trying to process the alcohol. Um, That's just one example of of many. It's quite fascinating. So I'd encourage anyone to Google that if you are waking at the same time every night to have a look into that. But to answer your question, sorry to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, no, that's okay. To answer your question, um, not falling asleep absolutely is in proportion to stress for most of us. Mm. Being overworked, um, I mean, whether we're looking at from a Chinese medicine perspective or a Western medicine perspective, um, physiologically, if we're supercharged, um, then of course we're not going to be able to fall asleep and that's just the way our body copes with the environment that we're putting it in. So I think to explain it, 
your hormones are definitely at play when it mm. comes to sleep. Your melatonin is supposed to continue to, it's supposed to be at its lowest when you wake up in the morning and it will continue to rise throughout the day so that that helps you feel sleepy when it's time to go to bed. Oh, I didn't know that, didn't that it you? accumulated throughout the yeah, day. Yeah, and the opposite of that is cortisol. So cortisol should peak within around half an hour of waking Yeah, and it should start <laughs> to, to... Get you out of bed. Right, <laughs> and it should then start to decrease sort of in a roundabout way throughout the day. So they kind of cross over at some point. Yeah. But if your cortisol, which is your stress hormone, remains high, it will impact your melatonin, which will remain low. And for many of us, we're on screens of an evening, which emits blue lights, which is tricking our eyes and our brain into thinking that it's daytime when it's not. So our melatonin doesn't get to build as it should. Our cortisol remains high, not just because of the blue light, but also because we're probably working or not resting Mm. or not at least practicing good sleep hygiene or sleep routine to wind down for the evening. And we find ourselves in bed unable to fall asleep. Similar to, you know, I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a television on in your room, often in a hotel room, I can't sleep. And one of the reasons is I don't have a television in my room. But in a hotel situation, you sit on the bed and you watch the television. So falling asleep can become quite difficult out of A, out of your own environment, but B, also because you're, you're wired, your brain's on. <laughs> your brain's like, hang on a minute, the day just stopped and I don't know what to do. Um, I mean, the day being the light from the TV. Exactly. In case people are confused by me. Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. I never knew about the crossover, but it, it all makes perfect sense. And I kind of like this idea too that you um, need a wind down. I think sometimes... You're going to say need a wine. Well, that helps. The, it can. <laughs> It can also not. It well, does, that's true too. It does depend. Depends on how much wine you have. How much wine or how dehydrated you are. Like, well, how your body processes uh, alcohol yeah, too. Yeah, whatever else is going on, your hormones and Absolutely. stress levels and all that kind of stuff. Speaking of hormones, when our sex hormones are out of balance, that can often spill into sleep. But again, they're directly influenced by our stress hormones. So again, high cortisol impacts progesterone. And the result of that is that we end up with way too much estrogen in our body. So it's not actually progesterone's fault. It's the fact that cortisol kind of pulls the handbrake on progesterone and estrogen keeps climbing. So we can find that we get that second wind at night. Often for women that are estrogen dominant, they'll get that second wind at night and say, I'm not tired, I'm exhausted all day. And then it gets to 10 o'clock. And for some of us, I think we're we're tricked between or wondering, am I just awake now because it's quiet, there's nobody around, I don't want to go to bed, I just want to enjoy my time here whilst everyone's asleep, or we're actually estrogen dominant or or our hormones are out of balance and we don't have enough progesterone doing its job. Progesterone's amazing, we need it for sleep, we need it for lots of other things, but we also need it for um, for a good night's rest. So each hormone is multifaceted in what it delivers. We're mm. not just talking about, you know, um, sleep hormones. We're talking about all of our hormones and how they work as a symphony together. Oh, they do all the things, don't all they? All the things. Oh, dear. Um, I think this idea of having a bit of a routine when you're going to sleep is important as well. Mm. Um I I have had a funny year really with sleep. At the start of the year, I was having a lot of trouble going to sleep, but I think I was probably a bit stressed out. Anyway, we talked to Kim Morrison on a podcast a while back and she was talking about essential oils and, you know, what they can be useful for. And we did talk a bit about lavender. Now, everybody kind of, if you're interested in that stuff, you might have heard about lavender and you put a bit on your pillow or spray it around the room or what have you. But the idea of taking lavender as a supplement came up. Mm -hmm. Well, I started doing that. Mm -hmm. And apart from the fact that you burp 
like pop puree, <laughs> which is just the weirdest <laughs> sensation ever for about a week and a half. We're like, oops, excuse me. There's my there's my lavender bag in my underpants drawer. Could, could be, be Could be. Could be. It's pretty funny though. It's like you've eaten soap. It's really <laughs> odd. But the effect on falling to sleep, I have found really positive. It's really interesting. And just a general sense of calmness that that has brought, which then, of course, means you're easier. It's easier to fall asleep because you're not lying in bed going, "Oh, I shouldn't have said that mm. thing to the person yes. and done the stuff, the and I've got the list." And I think, yeah, I think having a sleep routine um, or a sleep sort of a nighttime routine is what I'm trying to say can be really beneficial if yeah. you're the person that benefits from that. So you know, putting the phone away, yes. having a shower, mm-hmm. hopping into bed, maybe reading for I a little always bit. Read? Do you read? And, yeah, I do read. Depends on what time I go to bed, but don't hate me. I'm the person yeah. that my head hits the pillow and you've literally got about six seconds oh, and I'm no, out. Oh, no, I do hate you. <laughs> I, I, uh, so so <laughs> just like you, I've had a year of bouts of insomnia. Yeah. And it, you would not know what to do with oh that if you're a six-second pillow person. I fall asleep. It's the waking, I think, at certain times. I... Um, but if I can't fall asleep because I'm so used to falling asleep quickly, I used to get extremely panicked. frustrated and a little bit panicked. And this year of my sleep being affected because of stress, absolutely, I've learnt to appreciate it. I, I wake and I'm like, okay, we're here now. Interesting. You know, we're here again. So what speech do I need to write in my head? Or And I just I use it as a time to download or mm. process things. Um, I know that if I have to think about, not thinking about. Do you know what I mean? I have to take myself somewhere else. But I think those Physically or mentally? Mentally. Ah. But also I think there's a few other things I want to add to um, that that can also help. You know, obviously the temperature of your room plays a really big role. So the perfect sleeping temperature is 23 degrees. Yep. Um, Your bed, your pillow, your mattress, any lights that are on. Can I just say... How often do you have a decent night's sleep the first night you stay anywhere? I'm going to say zero. No, I sleep the first night. I never sleep the second night. Really? So, you know, I never sleep the first night because all of those things, you know, you're used to your pillow and your bed and the smell of your doona and the comfort and even the temperature and the layers, you know, if you put a blanket as well as, you know, all that stuff when you're at home, but you're in a when you're in a weird bed, that first night, I find it's all about adjusting to all the things. But you're just like, not nah, six seconds gone. Yeah, the first night. The second night, the other really great hack for sleeping is magnesium. Yeah. Magnesium is amazing, um, not just for helping you relax. You know, we know we use it for muscle yeah. cramps and all sorts of things. It's actually because it helps your body process and deal with stress better. That's why magnesium actually works for so many different things. So mm. I actually say you dose morning and night. It's not going to put you asleep during the day. It's going to help you be a calm and nice person. <laughs> it's not going to make you a walking zombie. Um, but, yeah, morning and night and regular. You can't opt in and out. I, you, I think you need to be taking it regularly for that to work. So that's something else that you can add. Um, no no screens, like I said before, definitely not phones next to yourself in the bedroom. Um, no. But we do that. We sit there on our phone in bed Scrolling. Lots of us do that. The, the, the problem I have with this phone situation is this. So my children, we're going to get on to kids in the second part of this podcast, but my children both go to sleep listening to books, audiobooks, every night, mm-hmm. have done for years. And if they're not listening to an audiobook, they're listening to a music box. So there's always some sort of sound that lulls them to sleep. 
And so a few times when I've had insomnia and I've had trouble going to sleep, I have tried to listen to like sleep stories online. But the problem then is you've got the phone right next to you and I've got headphones. And then if you fall asleep with headphones in your ears, <laughs> that's actually not that comfortable. So it's kind of, I'm finding it really tricky because the idea of having the soothing sounds of someone reading you a story or the sounds of rain or all that kind of stuff, it's great in theory, but the the practical side of it, especially when you share a bedroom with someone and maybe they don't want to be dealing with that stuff because like they a, sleep okay? Like a sleep machine or something. No, no, I'm talking about like music oh, or, or... Not like the birds, the birds chirping. It's <laughs> like counterproductive. Anyone that goes to sleep listening to birds chirping, it feels like that's, yeah, that's the morning. Yeah, waking up. I have a funny story actually. Yes. We currently have a bird out the front of our window mm-hmm. that at 5am every freaking day and it's a noise that is not forgettable. Is this the first time we're going to hear you do a bird call on the no, Wellness Collective podcast? No, we're not going to do the bird call. But it's someone said to me, go and find the bird. And I'm like, and then what am I going to do? Like, shoo it away? No, you're just going to have a chat with it, sit it down and tell it why it's not welcome in that particular well, tree. I was like, how do you find a bird? It's like finding <laughs> a needle in a haystack. Well, actually, Daddy K found the bird. Oh. Yes. The other day he said, I found that bird. And I'm like, you found the bird? And, you know, at 5 a.m. when it goes <laughs> off, Chris normally rolls over and says, I'm going to kill that bird. And I'm just like, how do you just usher it somewhere else? But then it becomes someone else's issue. Anyway, we found the bird. But I don't know what, what we do. Now, what do you do now? Well, I see your bird in the tree story and I up it. <laughs> we used to have one. And I'm going to do the call. We yeah. used to have one that came to a courtyard outside a flat we lived in and it would come and it would go tuk, 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 oh like this, God. five o'clock in the morning every day. And my beloved husband took to throwing corks at it because it was back in the days where you get every bottle of wine had a cork. So we had a good supply of corks. So we'd throw corks at it. Oh gosh, that's hilarious. In the end, it moved away. So good. corks won the day. Okay, well, we can get the cork. That brings me to just before we have a little break, let's talk about the idea of sharing a bedroom with someone and how that can affect your sleep. Mm-hmm. I was actually listening to a program about this just recently, and there was a lot of talk about how we put this. Um, kind of emphasis on sharing a bed, sharing a bedroom, on whether your relationship is going well or not. But the practicality of sleep and people's differences in the way they sleep and the kind of sleep that they have and whether they snore, whether they're a light sleeper or a deep sleeper, whether they read before bed, whether they don't, all of those things play into the practicalities of sharing an actual bed. Mm -hmm. But it's very, very difficult, isn't it? Oh, well, we have four in our bed, so I don't know what you're talking about, (laughs) this idea. I slept in my daughter's bed last night. Um, I actually woke up this morning at, I didn't check what time it was to get a drink of water. Was the bird out? No, I actually very quickly, I I didn't know where I was. I shot my arms out (laughs) and legs like starfish. I was like, why is there nobody here? (laughs) Because every night the kids always make their way in. Um... And then it took me a few minutes to go, oh, hang on, I'm in Livy's bed. (laughs) But I panicked. I was like, there's no one around. Why am I on my own? Where are the people gone? My kids, uh, because we are heavy sleepers, 
I have to say, it's a running joke with all of our friends, we don't hear the kids come in. So <laughs> we all go to bed in our own beds and we all go to bed at different times and that's the other challenge too is that Chris needs a lot more sleep than I do so he goes to bed far earlier than I do because if I went to bed at 9 o'clock, mm. I would be awake at 3 for the day. Think of how productive you I would know, be. I know, right? I Maybe it's a thing. I don't want to be productive at 3am. <laughs> so, you know, we all lie there like logs and... People say, you really need to fix this situation with your children. And I'm like, I would love to fix the situation. You need to actually be physically awake to do that. I can't take them back to their room if I'm dead to the world. Now, I have always, up until recently, taken them back. Whenever I have woken up, I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. Or when it bothers me. Sometimes it's cute to have them in there. Don't you think? Yeah, that's yeah. nice. You have yeah. those moments where you think you're going to be old and you're not going to want to cuddle me. Right. Yeah. But it is particularly, I know for patients, lots of patients sleep in separate rooms because the husband snores mm. or they can't, they like the temperature different mm. or whatever it might be. I think that's a, that's a common thing. It is. And I think also it's good to kind of talk about that because it doesn't, it doesn't reflect on your relationship. I remember I had a friend who, when we were in our 20s, the subject came up about, you know, sharing, having separate bedrooms. And she was like, that is it. I reckon a marriage is over. If people are in different bedrooms, that that's just it. I would just think that there's no coming back from mm. that. But it's it's not the case. No, not at all. Yeah, because relationships are far more complex than whether you sleep next totally. to each other or not. And some people love that. Some people don't. So, hey, we need to take a we quick do. break. Yes. When we come back, we're going to talk about babies and... And kids. Some of the sleep stuff that goes on with that, mm. just to make you feel more normal. We're here at the Wellness Collective podcast talking about sleep. Mm. Do you like, do you actually like sleeping? I like sleeping. I do a lot of that waking up at two o'clock in the morning and having mm. those deep conversations with someone I'll never have in reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I, I find those annoying. We, for some reason, forget at three or 2 a.m. or whatever mm. it is that it's a bad time to solve problems. <laughs> Well, and then we wake up the next morning, you're like, it's really not that bad. But at 2 a.m., it was really freaking bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think know. The, I think maybe the solution to that is to get up and out of the bed and go and, I don't know, sit in the lounge room and maybe get a piece of paper and a pencil and write it down. Like, actually get it out of your head. Mm. Because if you, for, well, for me, if I lie there, I just go over and mm-hmm. over and over. And, yeah, you're right. You don't solve it. And the other person isn't there. No. So let's move on from Funny that. Funny about that. I am actually, though, the worst when I don't get enough sleep. I'm a crier. So if I get exhausted, I just fall apart. Yep. And of course, when you've got little babies and you're up two, three, four, five times a night, and then you have to face the day having had, what, four hours of broken sleep, that was a very difficult time in my life that I reflect upon. I feel like your body kind of just approaches it differently throughout that phase. You've got hormones that kind of support Mm. you and you just get it Done. I know it's not nice, but you get it done. You do, you do get it done. Um, but I, I very much surrendered to, and maybe it's because I don't need a lot of sleep, but Livy was a disastrous sleeper. Um, she woke three hourly to feed and she'd take an hour to feed. So in those early days, I was sleeping for two hours at a time. Mm, and I know the feeling. She just wanted to be near me. So, you know, everyone was saying to me, oh, co-sleeping, don't fall down into that trap. That's not okay and that's abusive. And, and I remember one day Chris saying to me, 
she's not going to grow another arm if you, because I used to fall asleep feeding her and then I'd wake up panicked thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to set her up for bad habits or whatever. Um, and one day he said to me, she's not going to grow another arm if she sleeps in our bed. And I was like, well, that's true. And then I started researching co-sleeping and did the research I needed and, you know, still had everybody's opinion, but me as a mum decided that that was the best thing for our family. Mm. And for the first time I started getting solid hours of sleep. I probably wasn't, when you say you're a crier, I just spent the first seven months of her life feeling dizzy all the time. That was my consequence (laughs) to not sleeping. I just felt like the ground was moving or that I was spinning around. I had vertigo as a result of just exhaustion. Um, But once we all just got in the one bed, then we did become a running joke because we literally all did sleep like three logs in a bed and, you know, we did that for a long time. I think it's interesting that you say that that worked for you and you did the research about it because, of course, when you do have a young baby, there is a lot of talk about, you know, being, of course, the safety of the baby. Right. And often grown-up beds aren't the safest place for them because it depends on how you sleep. And if you're a heavy sleeper, you, there's a likelihood that you could roll onto the baby. And so apparently course, you'll never roll on the baby. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking no, about the partner. No, no, wait, wait. Yeah. Apparently you'll both never roll on a baby mm-hmm. if but there are certain things you have to make sure you haven't done. So you're obviously not medicated, you haven't taken um, drugs, you haven't had alcohol, um, but the research indicates, because mm. I did all the research, um, that you will never actually roll on, a, you'll know that the baby's there. You have a sense mm. of that as a parent. Mm. Maybe someone else's child you might roll on, I don't know, <laughs> but but you won't. Um, and, and I think you're right, but I think often we don't sleep in, especially the other one is um, sleeping medication. If you've taken sleeping oh, gosh, medication, no. and a lot of people have. Now, I slept in the same position to protect her, my knees on my side with my knees up, so I created an alcove for her to sleep in. Yeah, um, because I was worried about that. But as a consequence, I had a rib that got so lax I could pop an in and out all the time from sleeping literally in the one position for, like I said, probably a year almost. Mm, yeah, crazy. But anyway, it worked for us. What was really interesting. You know, when you have your first baby and you're like, I, especially sleep, it's a hard one. You're like, my child doesn't sleep. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And there's a lot of those different, there's so many books, there's so many experts, there's so many things. Well, when I was pregnant the first time, I didn't do a lot of research about actually having the baby. I don't know why I kind of thought that would just take care of itself, but I was very concerned about what happened when you got home because I really had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was staying with... um my sister-in-law, hi Faye, and she had a copy of Tizzy Hall's Save Our Sleep. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that looks like a good resource. So I started reading this book. And if you are familiar with Tizzy Hall, she's she's got a lot of really interesting things mm. to say. And I think for a lot of people, she works really well because mm-hmm. she's very structured mm. with the way she approaches babies and sleeping and routines. And, and routines work really well for lots of people. But I remember reading it and the first thing that stood out for me was put your baby down at 7pm. And I was like, I am never going out again. (laughs) If I have to put my baby to sleep at 7pm, how am I supposed to do anything ever for the rest of my life? Well, of course, that's not actually how it works. But it was probably the one thing I took away from her kind of thoughts because she's very, like I say, rigid about, you know, put them down at this particular time for a nap when they're this age and then you can only move that time incrementally by like five minutes to not mess the 
routine up. Mm-hmm. And that just horrified me in my life. I was like, I can't stick to that. It's too hard. Well, if you want to be housebound for the first... Well, but like I say, long. I have a friend who was rigid with that stuff and it worked for her, but I was like, I can't. I'm mm. going to lose my mind. But I do remember being at home the first probably two or three months um, when uh, with our new baby first time around and he would always start screaming like just at dinner time. <laughs> And then I was like, yeah, witching hour. And then I thought, you know what? She's right. The 7 p.m. go to bed allows you to have dinner Mm. without a screaming child. Mm -hmm. And doing that then actually changed our lives. So that was the the thing thing that I took from that. I think you find what works for you, but it's so hard with your first child because you've got no idea. And Livy was awful. She really was an awful sleeper. Um, Not in the day, but in the evening. Mm. Um, And But she'd sleep with you, on you. You know, and she's still like that. She still wants to be next to you. Yeah. Um, what was really interesting is we did have an awful time and I did eventually, once she was old enough, practice the camping out method. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Oh, it finally that worked you- because I tried so many things with her, but I one thing I couldn't do was let her scream. In the end, I worked out she just wanted... And I understand this as an adult. I like sleeping next to somebody. Why wouldn't she? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and Comfort. so, no, you literally sit there, you tell them, I'm, I'm going to sit here because, you know, she's <laughs> she's nine months old. She's not really understanding anything you're saying, but you're going to say it anyway. Um, and then each minute you you sit, you, you move closer to the door until you're gone. So it's like they don't feel abandoned. <laughs> yep. And it was the only thing that eventually worked. It was such a saviour. I was like, oh, my gosh, we've found something that works. Um, and she'd still end up in the be- in the bed. Anyway, point is this: Geordie comes along, and two completely different children. Uh-huh. Number one, Geordie fed like a flipping I don't even know. He was like he sucked the living daylights out of me. He was over <laughs> and done with within ten minutes. He would then be burped, arch his back. Like, as in, don't touch me no more, put me down to bed. I yeah. don't even want to be in your yeah, arms. Yeah, yeah. And I'd put him down and he would sleep. And he had this routine that was sort of four to five hours. And I was like, there's something wrong with this child. <laughs> in comparison to Olivia, polar opposites. Probably if I had have had Geordie first and seen that it had nothing to do necessarily with me, it was more about the actual child, yeah, you know, so it's just I don't, really difficult. I don't think you can have that conversation too many times as well because really I had exactly the same conversation with a friend the other day. She was saying if she thought all babies were like her first baby who was colicky, she said she'd go to mm. mother's group and people would be like, oh, I just pat my baby and put him down and they go to sleep. She was like, they're lying. They're lying to me. I know. I know. How so, many people will say, oh, is your baby sleeping through? Yeah, it's like the one thing that someone will say to you, oh, did they sleep through? Yeah. I mean, like, they still don't sleep through. But I think that's the thing, right? You have to just appreciate that different things work for every child and every mum. Like, uh, you know, you say... Olivia slept during the day. I used to put my Ollie in a pram and put like a yes. cu- make it into a cubby yes. and even in the lounge room I'd just yes. like rock yeah. that thing back yeah. and forth, back and forth. He didn't know how to go to sleep in a cot because he never had the right. chance. Yes. I just put him in the cubby. Yes, but I mean then some kids don't sleep in prams and then you you are then <laughs> stuck at home. My kids loved yes. the pram. In fact, that was the one guarantee. Yeah. People still laugh at me when they say, remember you used to like go up to the cafe and sit there for four hours and work? I'm like, yeah, because I could get four hours in a pram with Geordie, whereas if he was in the cot at home, maybe two and a half. He just loved being in that closed, enclosed environment. So maybe we can put Ollie and Geordie in a oh, pram again. Maybe. That'd be good. <laughs> bit big. Hey, um, now, just going back to some other podcasts that we have um, talked some little bits about this, um, 
We spoke to Amantha Imba in a podcast earlier. She was talking about your circadian rhythm mm. and working out what that is for you and how if you can find out what your body is like, you can work out when you work best and how much sleep you need and what times are best to wake up to be most productive and get mm. the most out of the day, which I thought was really an interesting totally. approach to sleep. Yes. Um, of course, if you want more information about how to approach your baby in particular, there's... There's, there's so much. It's about working out what's right for of you. Of course, though, yeah, it? you just need it's to... It's a bit of trial and error. It is trial and error. And you know what? As soon as you get it right, mm. they move on. I know. Oh, <laughs> my. Yep, it's all going to change. Yeah, I actually went to sleep school too. And, um, you know, I've heard people say sleep school isn't a good thing, but I've got to say the two days I spent at sleep school... My why daughter. Would they, why would anyone say it's not a good well, thing? Well, like there's nobody, there's no perfect I'll way. It's just your you, way. No, the reasoning that I saw about why sleep school isn't a good thing is that you're training the baby to sleep not in their own environment. So oh. the idea is it's better to do it at home rather okay. than to so go can somewhere. Can you actually hire someone to you come can. to your house? Not, yeah, I thought you could. Yeah, yeah, you can. So that's another thing too. Mm. If you're having trouble, there's lots of resources out there. There's always a reason and there's always a solution. And also, if you are like me and the idea of standing there patting for two minutes, looking at the clock, going and standing out outside for two minutes waiting while your baby cries and going back in for two minutes actually makes you want to spew. Yes. That's okay as yeah. well. Yeah. If it works for you, great. Totally. If it doesn't, yeah. just oh go goodness. and spew I... with a hallway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, sleep can be something that, you know, basically we all have to do it every day and it can be a problematic at any age or any phase or stage. Totally so, going to ring you at 3 o'clock in the morning now when your liver is working hard and you're waking up. What are you trying to say? I'm an alcoholic? No. <laughs> it's when you, oh, no. no, you didn't wake up at 3 o'clock. I wake usually, up, yeah. yeah, no, I I do often wake around, around yeah, somewhere around then two, two between two and four. But I've, you know, I'm getting, I'm, I'm better at the moment. Good. Hmm. Hey, uh, it's time for us to go. Mm. But we would love you to jump onto our Instagram. Let us know what's going on with you. We would love you to send us a picture of where you are listening, especially if you are on a holiday somewhere. You know, make us get some FOMO. Totally. I and see I just d- did a double check, and we don't actually have any new reviews that. Uh, have appeared. So if you are feeling the love, make sure you get on there. Tell us on iTunes what your favourite episode is or why you really liked a particular episode. We love that feedback and, of course, five stars is always <laughs> welcome. Absolutely. Hey, it's been great just having a chat about sleep because it's one of those things It's just such a huge part of our lives and, you know, yes. I just want to get more of it, frankly. <laughs> I'm good with six hours. See, everyone's different. Um, any, any who's. Um, we do actually hope, of course, that this episode has left you feeling happier. Healthier. And better. 